Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome to Monsters Among Us, a call-in show about monsters, and more specifically, the people that see them. Now I have an incredible episode lined up for you guys this evening, and I want to kick it off with something a little different. I don't think I've ever started a show with a Bigfoot call. Well, that is, until now. Hailing from the state of Georgia... We jump right into tonight with Greg's submission. Hi, my name is Greg. I'm calling to you from uh, Georgia. My story is one that happened back in probably 1973. At that time, I was like five, six years old. It was a time when... Uh, kids could be sent to the store to buy their parents cigarettes or could buy them for themselves or whatever tobacco there wasn't a age limit so to speak so we lived in a trailer park for a short period of time before or my family moved into a house a town over so in this trailer park you could walk through the woods to a, a little convenience store you know, you could go through the woods or you could take the long route and you could walk closer to the highway uh, at the edge of the woods and go to the store. It was roughly, if I had to guess, between a mile through the woods to a mile and a half, you know, around the woods. So my story is this. So my father gave me uh, a dollar. Back then you'd get a pack of cigarettes for, I believe it was like 45 cents. And I'd been through these woods many, many, many times. We lived in this trailer park for a couple of years. I got his uh, pack of cigarettes as well as something for myself. And as I was walking on my way back, I was going back through the woods. Um, it's a pine forest. There's lots of pine trees in Georgia. And um, there's uh, little shelves um, and, uh, where the uh, landscape kind of drops kind of suddenly. So you could kind of jump or whatever. So it kind of left you a little um, ridge, maybe three or four feet high. Again, I was probably around six years old when this occurred. I was walking back to the um, 
trailer park peaceful it's quiet we're right in the area where you kind of start to go this upslope and there's some ferns and things like that the day itself was um you know is a typical uh, spring day kind of thing in georgia things were bloomed uh, lots of tree pollen that kind of thing as i'm walking up to go up this ridge i see a deer coming and this deer comes straight at me and my instinct was just to lay down, to fall down, to keep from getting, because it looked like it was going to hit me. So I threw myself back and on the ground, kind of flat on my back, as this deer come running over me with a uh, sheer look of terror on its face. You know, it's kind of one of those things when you're a kid, you've never seen a deer before. It just kind of burns into your brain. Well, when I threw myself back on my back, I saw the deer come over me, and then I saw what was chasing it. And what was chasing it looked to me, looking back on these things, was some kind of uh, bipedal bear or ape man or Bigfoot, whatever you guys want to call it. So the the deer and the uh, hairy Bigfoot thingy uh, came over the top of me, and the deer once it hit the ground immediately changed direction and went to the left and the um thing following it or chasing it um immediately turned as well and i just watched them go out of sight i was shaken up again i was like six years old i didn't really know what i'd seen you know your brain can't really process something you haven't seen or didn't know about that kind of thing um i thought it was a maybe a bear but it was on two feet it was running and you know you see a bear on tv or on at the zoo um they don't move very fast and this thing was running as fast as i've ever seen anything run in my life and i immediately hopped up and i ran out of the woods the opposite direction towards the the highway and went the long way around all the way home i had um dropped the package that i was carrying a brown bag with the cigarettes and a candy bar when i got to my home you know i told my father what i'd seen and he was very unhappy and asked me what color it was and i said it was like dark brown maybe like hints of like gold you know and i immediately got a spanking because i was lying so to speak and uh there was only black bears in georgia and uh not brown or golden bears so to speak and was sent back to get the um pack of cigarettes i was terrified i took the long way around i went exactly the way to where that little burn area was and weeded through um, that as slow as I could. I mean, just shaking, waiting to get this uh, pack of cigarettes. You know, I ran, grabbed the bag, ran back out of the woods and pretty much uh, ran all the way back home and never spoke of it again. I kind of put it out of my mind until years later, I was watching um, uh, something on one of the um, TV channels where a police officer had captured something running across the road in Northeast Georgia. And um, I was 
maybe 30 miles from where, where that occurred. Uh, and um, it just kind of brought all those memories back. Since I listened to the show, I thought I would uh, just share this with uh, you and the listeners. Um, and there's definitely something out there. I know we don't have supposed evidence of it, but, you know, I can't deny what I've seen. So, and I don't think I'll ever be able to forget that. I hope this helps anybody that wants to share what they've seen uh, come forward, so to speak. So thank you. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Greg. Now, as I'm listening to Greg's call, one small detail really jumps out at me. I find it incredibly interesting that he struggles to name the creature, despite the fact that all the details seem to be there. So why is it so difficult for Greg to say the word Bigfoot or Sasquatch? It's almost as if the very utterance of the word stresses him out, or at the very least, disgusts him. Why is this significant, you might be asking? Well, I can look at this one of two ways. Either this experience upset him so badly that, as an adult, he still struggles to say the words Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Either that, or Greg is a master hoaxer, and he just happened to have a hunch that I would pick up on that subtle detail and run with it. I think my decision is fairly obvious. I believe he saw something terrifying. Something matching the description of a creature that we all call Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Now the question we're left with is plain and simple. What was the creature? Now I should also add that I love stories like these. They remind me of stories that my dad and uncles used to tell me when I was growing up. Some of the shenanigans they got into in the early and mid-70s. So thanks again, Greg, for taking the time to share that tale. The following story might be yet another first for the program. This story was submitted by Orson in the state of Florida. Hi, my name is Orson, and I've been listening to your show for a little bit now. I was kind of was introduced to it uh, by my girlfriend, and I uh, love it. Uh, I've been binging on it for a while and uh, wanted to call in and tell you my uh, creepy story. Anyway, so this was back in, I want to say 2013, 2012. And this was back in uh, Florida, actually West Palm Beach to be exact. And I love taking walks every day. Uh, I used to like walking a lot. And in this particular night, I actually had forgotten to walk that day. And so late at night, it was probably like 10.30 p.m. or 11. And in Florida, I think this was around the uh, wet season where it would rain a lot. So I think it had just stopped raining. So I wanted to kind of, you know, do a little walk, maybe do a brisk walk before I, I headed uh, to sleep. And usually, you know, I have I talk to a friend or something while I'm walking or something. And then I realized it was kind of late. I'd go around the neighborhood, I'd say about three or four times before I call it a night. And I remember that I was on my phone with uh, one of my friends. And it was like the second go around that I did around the neighborhood. 
And I, the first time around, I went around, I heard this noise, like a crying baby. But I ignored it because I was talking on the phone with my friend and I just went around the neighborhood once. So I just thought, you know, probably somebody's kid who's, you know, crying. And so I didn't pay any attention to it. I went around the second time and I still heard it crying. So (laughs) I was talking to my friend on the phone and I said to him, I said, hey, listen, uh, don't you think it's kind of weird that there's a baby crying this late at night because by the second time around it was probably I want to say later like maybe 11 or 11.30 so I thought that was weird but I didn't pay no mind to it I didn't go towards the noise and I just continued on my walk by the third time around I could clearly hear what seemed to be a baby crying it was like a a continuing crying like it it had like a set pattern it wasn't like you know some babies that you hear that will cry a little then cry louder then cry no it was just very consistent and loud so I told my friend hey let me call you back I'm gonna investigate this and if you and I'll call you and let you know if it was just crazy me thinking something crazy or you know or if it really was something that is abnormal here. So I hung up the phone, and as soon as it did, my it was about my third round halfway, I heard it. So at this point, I'm hearing this noise constantly. And I was walking towards the noise. I kept hearing it, and I kept hearing it. So as I walked closer and closer to the noise, it kept getting louder and louder. And what seemed to be a crate, a baby crying now appeared to be like, if you've ever heard what's the sound of a baby lamb crying, I don't know if you guys are maybe not crying, but you know, the sound of a baby lamb that's lost or something. You know, they, they they seem to be crying. They seem to be uh, lost, so they're they're calling out. This which is the only way I can describe that. So it no longer seemed like a baby, but it was more like a baby lamb. So as, I, as I got closer to the noise or to the sound of it, and I remember as I was walking closer and closer, I I had pretty good visibility for a uh, a really dark night i mean the moon was still out you could see it and you could also see uh some of the apartments uh, or they're not exactly apartments but uh kind of uh, duplexes is is what i wanted to say you could see the duplexes that were around in the neighborhood and so i saw the lights i mean i saw the uh, moon was bright and i as i approached the noise i could clearly see my way around as I got closer and closer I started to zero in on the actual noise and to my surprise when I got up to like let's say two and a half feet from the noise it was next to a tree it was a big tree and you know I could see the roots I could see the ground it was moist or wet 
and I saw and I zeroed in exactly where the sound was coming from and to my surprise there was nothing there but there was the sound of a baby sheep or lamb crying or just you know it was the creepiest thing I remember my skin starting to you know get goosebump and I was just like I don't see anything and I could clearly see the surroundings of the tree and all of a sudden the noise started to elevate from the nearby tree and it started to go up and it started to elevate and I could follow in the middle of the night I could follow the noise of this sheep or this baby lamb and what it did is it floated into the trees and then went and floated beyond the trees and it dove into some some nearby fence that was probably uh, I would say maybe 500 feet from me and it disappeared into those trees into those woods behind that fence but I remember thinking about what happened and then afterwards I went home and I just thought you know what what just happened <laughs> I was a little bit in unbelief. Like I didn't, I can't believe that that happened the way that it happened. I was expecting to see something. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting from the noise, from the sound. I was expecting to see something maybe hurt, to see something that needed help. What was going through my mind afterwards was in the moment, I'm sorry, uh, how could a little baby be there? And if it was a baby, who was the baby with? What is it doing in a urban neighborhood? Exactly my thoughts, you know, what, what is it doing there? You know, who left it there? And when I saw nothing and it floated away into the darkness, I just, I went home in unbelief. I was just like, I can't believe that happened. So anyways, those were my feelings. I told my friend, I called them later on. And I sat down with him and I said, dude, you won't believe what happened to me. And uh, surely, you know, he thought it was crazy too. And I, till this day, I mean, this happened back in 2012 or 2013, but still to this day, I remember it like it was yesterday. So anyway, that was my creepy story. I will never know what that was. And I thought that was really strange. Never again did I hear anything again after my walks. Bye-bye. Thank you, Orson. While I certainly do not claim to have solved this particular mystery, I may have a logical explanation for what Orson experienced. As I've said no less than probably a million times, I'm originally from the southeastern hills of Ohio, and I grew up doing outdoorsy things like fishing and hunting. And it was while doing the latter that I was making my way to my deer stand early one morning. I was probably around 13 years old and I was told by the older guys that I needed to be in my tree stand before first light. So being the overachiever that I am, I got up at the butt crack of dawn and made my way through a darkened locust patch on my grandparents' property. Now, I was careful not to use a flashlight. I certainly didn't want to spook any sleeping deer. So there I was, trekking through this darkened forest, when I hear an all-too-familiar sound. A crying baby. Now, absolutely nothing can prepare you for a sound like that in that setting, I can promise you. 
Even then, at 13 or 14, I was more inquisitive than sensible. So I did a little investigating. I was armed after all, so I doubt a zombie baby would be willing to take me on. So as it turns out, the morning breeze was moving just right to rub two huge maple trees together, causing a whimpering, baby-crying sound that repeated over and over, and even began to change the longer you listened to it. So what I'm proposing here is that with the rainy season and the recent rain that Orson described, could it have brought with it a stiff enough wind to have caused a couple trees to rub together and creak? Now I should note that 13-year-old me did not have nerves of steel. I just knew the sound, having heard it many times in my years in the woods. That said, it's still a bit terrifying the first few times you hear it. Thanks again, Orson, for taking the time to share your story. Well, that's a Bigfoot in a crying tree out of the way, so let's move on to a haunted asylum. The following was submitted by Zach in Wonderful Wild West Virginia. Hello there, Derek. This is Zach calling from good old Mothman country of West Virginia. Um, been a big fan of the podcast for, I don't know, a year, year and a half or so now. I have finally gotten up the nerve to call and tell some stories. As I was listening to your episode a few weeks ago, you were talking about Kirkbride Asylums and how you are you're a huge fan of those. Um, I actually worked in one for three years, give or take. That's now a tourist location slash museum slash uh, star of television shows and, and whatnot. Well, my story happened uh, in April of 2012. I, I was helping out and volunteering on a Saturday night. I wasn't working, so I was just sort of helping out with another group. And I walked upstairs and I to the second floor and I ended up running into uh, my friend. And this so happened that at the time, his son was training to be a guide. So we were sort of shadowing him, letting him do this thing, but also trying to keep an eye out to see how he was doing. So we walked down a ward on the second floor and we ended up seeing some, some strange shadow movement down at the uh, end of a hallway. So it sort of piques our interest for a few minutes. We stand there and we look at it. And this was really nothing out of the ordinary, but it was it's always fascinating. Realizing that we should get back and check on his son, we take off down the, uh, the ward next to us, closer to the uh, center of the building, and we end up running into his son's group. Immediately, you know, uh, hey, did you guys see anything? Did you guys see anything, you know, anything cool happen? So our friend starts talking to them and telling them what we saw. So, you know, as groups always do, hey, you know, take us down there, show us. So we go down to the ward exactly where we were. And he's telling them how it all happened and everything. So we were standing there for a few minutes. And I excuse myself. And I walk about two rooms down to the right, which is about... 20 feet and it's a double room and has a big carved out windows so I'm sitting against the window and I'm I'm playing on my phone for a minute so the group's outside and I hear them all talking and I had a, uh, a tiny little pen light we didn't use big lights we didn't want to 
blind anybody. So I have a tiny pen light on me, and uh, but I hear I hear my friend say, "Hey Zach, dude, we're gonna take off. Where are you?" And they start to all shuffle down the hallway. Um, I don't know, eight, ten of them. So I turn my pen light on, and I start to walk out of the room. And immediately, the entire group, including my very well-seasoned friend, jump out of their skin. You know, it was nothing scary. I, I was very subtle with my light. I, I had shown it out of the room to let them know that I was there. I didn't want to scare any group members or my friend. You know, you don't want to scare anybody in front of their group. They're trying to look really professional. And we always were very professional. They all look at me. They're like, when did you get in that room? I said, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. Whenever I, whenever I left the group, I walked into that room. My friend took his light and he, he shone it down the hall and he said, you weren't down there. I said, no. Why? They all looked at each other completely dumbfounded. We saw you go into the room down there. Probably a hundred feet down the hall to the left, which was a bathroom. Um, then I said, no, I didn't go in that room. I, I'm also very distinctive looking at about six, three. I remember the shirt I had on. It was a favorite shirt. It was a black and white plaid flannel shirt. And, uh, it would pick up very well, but with the white of the flannel it would pick up very well in the flashlight. And, um, they were completely shocked that I had not walked in that room. And I said, in fact, I don't walk down this hallway because a few weeks earlier, I had a group up there and we heard a noise, um, a little bit of shuffling. So we're going to investigate it. It turns out some pigeons had broken in through a window and they were roosting in this bathroom. That was the night that I found out that I'm allergic to bird dander. So, you know, I don't hurt the pigeons. So we go down, we go, we, we excuse ourselves from the ward and go down to the break room, laugh about the pigeons. My nose starts to run. My fur starts to shut up. And, uh, so from that point on, I didn't go down that hallway anymore. So, um, but it was really weird the way things would happen that, you know, I mean, they all swore that they saw me, but also that's the way things sort of happened there. You know, you would see something that didn't look out of the, out of the ordinary. You would see somebody standing there and you turn your head back and there's no one there. Or you would, um, you would hear your name whispered in your ear and nobody would be there. Um, I, you know, we, we worked there and we didn't just work there to be idiots and to, you know, to just garner stories. We worked there enough to where we would actually investigate with the groups we would investigate on our own to, to get stories. And we would attempt to debunk every single thing that happened, but there was nobody else in the group that night that had a shirt on like I did. Uh, probably if there was, there wouldn't have been my height. Um, so yeah, just chalk it up to, uh, people seeing your doppelganger at the end of a hallway. Uh, anyway, I have a good bit of more stories from there. Obviously I worked here three years, so I have a quite a bit of strange stories. I will definitely call back. All right. Thank you, man. Keep up the good work.
Thanks, Zach. I do have a bit of a strange fascination with these Kirkbride buildings. I love all things Victorian era, so maybe it stems from that. Or perhaps it's all those early ghost shows like Spookiest or Scariest Places on Earth, whichever is the correct title there. MTV's Fear and, and of course, a show that was recently announced to be rebooted, Ghost Hunters. Now, all three of those shows actually visited the asylum that Zack's story takes place in. At least, that's if my process of elimination is correct. So thanks again, Zack, for taking the time to share that. Now, before we play the back nine, I need to get through a few of these announcements. The Brett Manning shirts are in the store. And there's a little bit of a spin on these. I wanted to do something different for the first run. So I put together a little doodle, a little bug that I draw on each of the boxes I send out, and I actually applied that to the shirt. So the first 56 shirts have this little bug on it. So if it's something you'd like to pick up, head on over to monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the shop tab. And I am sold out now in a couple sizes, so if uh, you're waiting for those, I am putting a new order in next week, but the new ones will not have that little bug. That is a limited edition uh, feature. If you like paranormal documentaries, I highly recommend you check out Terror in the Skies by the Small Town Monsters crew. Now, you can find that documentary on Amazon, though it is not streaming for free. But for those of you that do tune in and check that show out, you may recognize a handful of calls that are played over some images early on in the film. I donated a couple stories to Seth and the gang to kind of set the scene for this film, and I gotta tell you, it's pretty interesting. So if you're into Thunderbirds and spooky things in the sky, that's the documentary for you. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone involved with AlienCon and the meetup afterward. Also, a big thanks to the folks that stuck around the chat, especially Ray, Joanne, Sarah, Jess, Paolo, Amber, and Mariah. I had a great time meeting and greeting everyone and the panel was a smashing success. And the last order of business for the evening, Season 8's coming up, and I am looking to make a couple small changes around here, starting with the theme song. Now, I absolutely love the theme to the show, but I would like to put my own spin on it, so I'm asking for your help. Is there anyone out there listening that may have some experience in rewriting or writing music? Essentially, I'm looking to keep the theme I have but I would love to change the arrangement and some of the instruments. So if that's something you think you can help me with, shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. And on that note, let's move on with the show. And let's kick off the back half with one of my favorite cryptid subjects. The following is Gabe's Call from the state of New York. Hi, Derek. My name's Gabe. I live in the suburbs of New York, Hudson Valley region. I just listened to Candy's uh, recount of her seeing a Black Panther, and I just wanted to tell you what my brother saw, and I thought it was pretty interesting and relevant. And also my, um, my best friend's sister, she was riding horses in the trails in Chappaqua. This was in the late 80s. 
and what she saw was um, she said her horse was going along the trail and it stopped and wouldn't go any further and she was trying to get the horse to go forward and she didn't understand why the horse had stopped and then she looked in the branches of the tree ahead of them and she saw a black panther in the branches and that that's she went through the same thing she um, was told it was a bobcat but it absolutely was too big to be a bobcat and it was a black mountain lion sized creature then th- that was when I was a teenager then like 10 years later in the mid to late 90s my brother is a garbage man he drives a sanitation truck and he said he was driving I want to say he was in Chappaqua or he was some in Westchester a close by town nearby there driving his truck through a suburban town suburbs not even in, in the sticks but he was driving the truck and he had a helper an Albanian guy riding with him the guy couldn't speak very good English that he was with but he said he was driving his truck and it darted right out across the road and paused right in front of his truck and then he, he said it was definitely a big black panther black and broad daylight he saw it and he said it was very smooth and it just ran off into the the woods as quick as it had appeared and he said my brother said he turned to his the helper and he said did you just see what i just saw and the guy said yeah we better not tell anybody they'll think we're crazy but they did they did see that what what happened with me and my brother when we were kids we grew up next to uh, mary knoll fathers and brothers it's a seminary where they train priests and across the street from there there's the sisters where they train the nuns it's a nun place where they live we used to ride our bikes up there and there was a bunch of stray cats that were, that lived on the grounds of the sisters and we were chasing the cats and they would one day they ran into this like a abandoned barn that's on their property and we were going to go and go into that barn and chase the cats hoping to get like a kitten or something like that but when we cha- we got off our bikes and ran up to the barn we were going to climb underneath the barn doors because there was a nice gap but on the other side when we we pounded on the door and i was getting ready to climb under it but we heard like a loud rumble of, like you know that that loud rumble of a cat like a big cat it wasn't a little kitty cat it was like a a large cat in there i don't know if they had a speaker set up to scare off kids but it definitely worked if that's what they had but i really doubt they had that i mean because you're talking when we did this it had to be in the mid to late 80s but that's what happened we did hear that it scared the hell out of us and we hightailed it out of there but that's that's my recount of that but love your show and have a great night thanks Gabe I often talk about alien big cats also known as ABCs I talk about sightings here in the states but you might be surprised to know that the UK and Australia both seem to be experiencing the exact same phenomenon. Big cat-sized felines, usually all black, 
found in places where these, although extremely rare, naturally occurring animals, otherwise never existed. As a witness of one of these creatures myself, I can tell you that whatever it is, it's something out of the ordinary. Thank you again, Gabe, for sharing your story. All right, it's time for the main course of the evening. Something you can really sink your teeth into. The following was submitted anonymously from the state of North Dakota. Hi, I'm from northeastern North Dakota, grew up on a farm, still work on the farm a little bit here and there, but uh, this story happened to me, oh, around 2009, late in the fall, it was probably early November, all harvest was done, we were working the fields, and I mean, this is pretty bare land up here, there's not a lot of farms close together, It's it's pretty desolate out here, it's nothing but just fields, and a few shelter belts, but anyway, I was 20, oh God, 2009, I was probably 28, 29, and uh, well, dad had me out late working a field for the fall, and there was a certain field that we rented that the owners wanted it worked, so we had to work late. I worked a full-time job somewhere else at this time, so I didn't get out there till evening, and it was already getting dark up in this area. It's dark kind of early in the fall through the winter but uh well it was kind of cloudy and kind of misted in the morning but anyway when I got out there it was just cloudy and kind of dark and so I'm working the field and it got to be about midnight and I had half the field worked and I had to work the other half because the landowner wanted it work before everything froze up and blah 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 but so my dad brought me fuel about midnight, and he said, here, I'll leave the dog with you, keep you company. So on this certain particular ground, it's all open on three sides except for the east side close to the river is uh, kind of woods. And, well, I was working the field, and as I got closer to the trees, the dog started her hair stood up on the back of her neck and she started growling every time I got to a certain point in the trees and the, I got this when I got closer to the uh, the trees I don't know if it was just fatigue and I, it was late and I was freaking myself out but I started getting the chills like like just a really eerie freaky feeling and it was I mean it was dark it was pitch black out it was cloudy and cold and it was you know well after midnight when I got close got the groundwork close to the trees but so I'm going along the trees with the tractor and the chisel plow and at a certain point the dog just started freaking out and she was jumping up and barking and snapping and growling and just acting way out of character so I stopped and I thought maybe she had to use the bathroom so I let her out she jumped off the tractor as soon as I opened the door jumped out of the tractor, hit the ground, ran straight for the shelter belt, which was about, at that time, I was, oh, I don't know, 30 feet away. 
and uh, she ran up to the point of the certain point in the shelter belt just stopped dead and didn't make a sound just stared into the trees and I thought what the hell is going on with this dog you know so I went over there to grab her and like come on get back in the tractor we got a lot we still gotta finish this field up tonight and I'm tired and I want to go home so I picked the dog up and she snapped at me and growled and I looked in the trees and I saw these red eyes I like I don't just red circular eyes and that's all I saw and they were uh, it seemed like they were staring right at me like almost through me and I just got this really scared eerie feeling I grabbed the dog ran back to the tractor slammed the door in the tractor and you know just kind of shook it off and said oh it must just be a deer or something you know or some type of wildlife up here nothing to worry about and that dog kept every time we got to that certain spot where them red eyes were she would just start freaking out so anyway I got the field worked and I was on my way home and it was about four miles from the field on the gravel and it I mean like I said it's pretty desolate up in the Red River Valley in North Dakota especially way up north and uh, I was going and well this part still scares me but it's what it is what it is I guess but I was bringing the tractor home and I was about two miles from the yard and there was a outline of this figure and the dog was started freaking out again which I said this is way out of character for her because she was so nice and never hardly ever barked and uh so you know my I was still kind of freaked out about those red eyes I saw on the trees and whatever so I just kind of tried pushing it out of my mind and whatever this figure was it was an outline of a man like probably six feet tall all black almost like a shadow but it the rounded head it looked like it had a was dressed all in black with a black hooded sweatshirt up over its face you know and it acknowledged me figure scooted over to the side of the road kind of almost in the ditch and I just pulled the tractor over on the gravel road and went by it and I thought well I better stop because a lot of people take those back roads by our farm there you know to jump from bar to bar and you get these people that hit ditches in the middle of the night you know and at this time it was about close to three in the morning so I thought well geez I better stop in case they need help but they didn't flag me down which I thought about that before I got out of the tractor but I thought no I'll be nice and stop and see so I stopped the tractor and the dog's growling and that you know that kind of freaked me out that the dog was growling and I got out of the tractor and I looked at the figure it stopped moving and turned around and I hollered at him hey you need help are you stuck or whatever and there was no response so I walked a little closer I didn't get out of the range of the lights on the tractor and I hollered at it again and the dog came running out of the tractor and ran up next to me and just stopped dead and I knew that I got that freaky feeling again and the head of this person or whatever it was lifted up and all I could see was red eyes like what I saw on the trees and it had like a white grin like almost like its teeth were just white as could be and sharp 
uh, I don't know how to explain it other than like a uh, big, like a bear or a cat or like a big predator cat or I don't know. But it was the outline of a human. I mean, probably a six foot tall, maybe a little taller man. And I ran back to the tracker. I got the dog on the tracker and ran her home, went inside. And, you know, I was freaked out. I had all the lights on. I parked the tractor right next to the house and ran inside with the dog. And the dog was running from window to window, from the living room window up, kind of up into the dining room, into the little kitchen area, looking out the sliding glass at our dike and back into the living room, looking into the trees and finally got her calmed down and I finally got calmed down enough at least where I could sleep for a few hours and dad grabbed me in the morning and kind of woke me up and he said, what was all the commotion last night when you came home? And well, I told him and he thought I was crazy. And then uh, about two weeks later, our neighbor was over at our shop. We were working in the shop and he was talking about some lights that he saw in the field. So we were talking and of course my dad thought we were both kind of nuts and I, I started talking about or telling him about the figure that I saw. And before I could finish explaining what I saw, he said, did it have like red eyes, outline of a man, and like these sharp teeth? And I said, yeah. And all he said was, oh, that thing's back. And so I just said, well, is this something I should know about? Like, has this creature, whatever it's been, been haunting or harassing his area? because I never saw it as a kid, never got that feeling in my life until that day. And I have never seen it again from being out on the farm or out in the field or what at night. I have never seen that again, but there's a few people around that area in North, the North Red River Valley that have said they've seen that. Thanks for my... And that is where the call cut off. But a huge thank you to that caller for submitting. Now our caller really does a good job of painting the picture here, and the dog was used perfectly to amp up the suspense. Well told, sir. Well told. Now it's almost something like Field of Dreams meets Jeepers Creepers, and I love it. Now I'll be honest with you though, I'm having a hard time with the description. Is this a shadow entity or something biological I'm leaning towards flesh and blood I guess but to be honest none of that really even matters because spectral or not we have no idea what this thing is now it has traits of the shadow man phenomena but also anything with glowing red eyes but yet it's behavior is more akin to I'd say the dog man or behavior of some skinwalker type creatures that's been reported over the years I don't seem to know much about this call, but I do know this. I bet many of you will be scanning the shadows this evening. Eyes wide open for that red glimmer and that mouthful of sharp teeth. Thank you again, caller, for sharing that terrifying story. And please let us know if you see anything like that again. Or I guess if anyone else out there has seen anything terrifying like this. If so, you can report your story by calling the hotline at one 1- 888 night That's 1-888-608-9898.
6444. You leave your story in the form of a voicemail. You have a five-minute window. If you need more time, simply call back and pick up where you left off. I'll splice it all together for you. Oh, and Friday the 28th of June will be the last day you can submit your hometown legend and be eligible for the Season 7 finale. You can still submit, I'll just push forward to the Season 8 finale. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd, Warren Pon Abbott, and Tony Bell. The amazing music you hear is from the talented Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. Just like the Denver International Airport, Monsters Among Us, too, has its secrets. And you just stumbled upon one of them. Now tonight's secret story comes to us from the state of Utah and was submitted anonymously. Hi. My story happened in Salt Lake City, Utah, around April 4th or 5th of 2019. It was around 7 or 7.30 as it was just getting dark. It was partly cloudy, a little breezy, and bright outside. On the weekends, I go on bike rides, and I bring my phone and earbuds. I was biking to a park close by. It's a pretty flat ride after going up a hill to get to the trail that's almost right under the mountain in the area. I felt a little weird that day, but I didn't care at the time. My phone was acting normal, nothing different or weird. And also keep in mind that my phone case didn't have anything that would be independently pressing buttons on the phone or on the sides. It was even a little difficult for me to press the buttons while it was in the case. Well, after arriving at the park, I did a couple laps, messed around, and then had to take a break because I was tired after all that. As I was resting, I was just looking around at the scenery, as it was quite pretty. There's some hills and some trees in the surrounding park. There are probably around 40 or so trees to add to the scenery. I looked up, and in one of the trees with the sparse leaves, I saw a black oval, kind of shaped like an egg. I guess it was a thing. It was just up in this tree, not moving. It didn't look like it was swaying side to side or going up and down with the wind or anything like that. It didn't have any limbs that I could see, no legs or arms or even a head. It looked like it was almost perched on one of the branches, but after moving to get a better view of the thing I saw... It was just floating in the air, not touching anything. At this point, I was pretty freaked out. When I saw that it was floating, I decided to head home, because I was freaked out. 
It was a warmish day, which in Utah means anything above 50 degrees. However, as I started to head home, I felt chilly and cold. It could have been because the day was ending, but it felt like maybe I was connected to the Black Oval. Anyway, once I left the park, my phone started acting weird. I had been listening to a video and the volume started changing rapidly, going up and down. Then the video I was watching kept changing to different videos. I had just enough time to see the titles of the video and it kept saying stuff like, I loved you, you broke my heart, I forgive you, and stuff like that. The last video it played was a song called Ghost. It played that one all the way through. Once it was over, I had almost reached home. As I was walking my bike, I looked up and saw that the lights, the house I was passing, began to flicker. The weird thing is, it was only happening to houses I walked in front of, and once I walked past the house, the lights would just be fine. I finally got back home, and my phone started acting weird again, and it eventually died, so I left it alone to charge. The next days, there were no issues with it at all. This isn't my first supernatural encounter, so to speak. I've seen shadows of people walking around the house at night when I was the only one awake. I heard things in the house, etc. There are two things I see most commonly outside of the house, though. A black cat out of the corner of my eye, and a white wolf, which I can see more directly. Those things have been so commonplace with me that it's quote-unquote natural for me to see them. But this black oval thing is something new, which I hope I never see again. Well, thank you for submitting that story. And there's a good deal to unpack here. As far as the UFO is concerned, it certainly sounded like a helium-filled balloon or maybe a resting bird at first. Having something small and round perched in a tree isn't all that weird. But floating in the air, that's a completely different situation. I know the state of Utah has its fair share of UFO encounters with the Skinwalker Ranch being nearby and all. So perhaps this is just another uh, to add to the list. Thank you again for taking the time to share, and thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a great night. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X5 gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. 